as we approach October 3rd, 2021, it would have been 889 days since the last mass participation Virgin Money London Marathon. And it's been a testing period for so many people. And although the world's not quite out of the woods just yet, it's still an amazing time for showing how sport can unite us and bring us together. And I'm just so excited to be joining all the other runners as we head down to Blackheath this coming Sunday. In this special episode of A Runner's Life podcast, I will be speaking to elite runner Charlotte Perdue, and it's great to welcome back to the podcast event director of the London Marathon events, Hugh Brasher. This is episode 106, and I spoke to Hugh back in episode 13, so you'd have to go way deep into the archives to listen to that one. But we spoke about what's happening with the 2020 London Marathon and the build up towards the elite race and the separate virtual race, which has been carried on in this year, which is running concurrently with the runners starting Blackheath. So it's going to be a good way to revisit that idea that took place and just carry on and see where that continues. And it's a great way just to keep people involved and engage on such an amazing day. So to give you a little bit of context about how this podcast is going to play out, the first section, I recorded a Twitter space live with Charlotte talking about the marathon mindset. And then we switch up and go into the second half for the series, The First Mile Always Lies with my co-podcaster, Danny Easton. And we speak with Hugh and we really sort of dive into what's gone into planning this year's marathon. And even if you're not running London, I think you can gain a lot from some of the insights that he does share and i think it's the same for the conversation with charlotte so i'm mindful i was going to keep wittering on but before i forget to share it i've got a special project coming up this week and it's focused on the london marathon i can't say too much just yet but keep your eyes peeled on my social media channels around wednesday thursday this week and it's just building on the work that we've done with this podcast and just try to explore what a runner's life means in a different medium so i'm looking forward to sharing it and hearing your feedback on it as well okay with that being said let's head to the first part of the conversation talking with charlotte hi everyone can you hear me yep oh good stuff how you doing charlotte hey i'm good thanks how are you yeah not too bad thank you first of all i think i just want to welcome everyone to the Addy zero runners roundtable series so this is basically the first of three marathon season twitter talks to help you basically improve your running with insight from elite adidas runners and coaches so today i'm joined by elite british runner charlotte Perdue. so before we start the conversation we'll give some people some time to join and just do some introductions so i'll give you the quick overview of today's format of the talk on the marathon mindset so it will be approximately 30 minutes of questions discussing goal setting building race resilience. We'll then share some tips on how to manage running the marathon, and then we'll discuss footwear. But then we'll also conclude with approximately 10 minutes of audience questions. So if you're listening along, tweet Adidas Running or reply to the pinned tweet to submit your questions. And also as a way of introduction, I am Marcus Brown, also known as, as at the Marathon Marcus. I host the podcast called A Runner's Life. And basically the aim is to explore the idea of what a runner's life means to a wide spectrum of runners from elites down to the recreational runner and I'm really interested in focusing on what the key elements are that unite us as runners beyond the race times. I'm also an Abbott's World Marathon major six-star finisher. I primarily focus on marathons and road running 
I've gone down from a 455 marathon all the way down to a good for age London spot with 256. And my next race is the 2021 Virgin Money London Marathon. So today I'm in conversation with elite runner Charlotte Perdue. And whilst it's, I probably could sort of reel off your achievements, it's also a bit weird to hear someone telling you about your own life. So it's probably best if you introduce yourself, Charlotte, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Hey, everyone. So I'm Charlotte Perdue. I'm a professional runner for Adidas and I run I run a lot of events, but mainly now the 10K, I guess, the half marathon and the marathon is my favorite event. So my PVs are 225 for the marathon and 6808 for the half marathon. My next event is London Marathon, which is, I can't believe it, but it's next week. So I'm really excited about that. Just getting ready for it now with the final tapering kind of training. So yeah, that's me, I guess. Good stuff. I know you spoke about a couple of race distances there, but what is it about the marathon that's your favourite as opposed to some of the other distances? Yeah, um, that's a good question. So I really like the marathon because it's you kind of have like this one focus really and the training is so intense and it's like a big build up for this one big day. And that obviously has its positives and its negatives in that obviously negative is that you get kind of one chance to have a go at it whereas if you do shorter events you can kind of roll the dice every weekend almost for a 10k or a 5k but I love the marathon in that it is so specific and you focus in on this one day for like eight or ten weeks and then yeah it's like all or nothing really on the one day and it's such a it's just such an achievement when you cross the finish line knowing that all your hard work has hopefully paid off so yeah, I, I like the whole the whole training, the build up, just everything really and, and the buzz around the event as well, just the mass the mass race and just everything. <laughs> Great stuff. I think so many people can relate to what you said. But before we kind of move on into the sort of the meat of the conversation, let's start off at the essentials. We're runners, so can you talk about what you did for your run today? Yeah, sure. So I had a workout today. I usually do my main sessions of the week on a Tuesday and a Friday. So today I had a little bit of a shorter session, obviously, because the marathon's next week. So I did eight times one kilometer off one minute rest on the road with my coach. So yeah, that was my workout today. And then a bit of gym this afternoon as well. Can you talk about what shoes you wear for these particular workouts as opposed to like an easy run? Yeah, so today I wore the shoes that I'm going to race in next week, the Adios Pro 2. I really like running in them for workouts, yeah, where I'm going to run kind of race pace. Just one so I can get used to them for race day because you don't want to put on a brand new pair of shoes really for race day. You want to try them out a couple of times. And yeah, I find that I can run the quickest when I wear those shoes. So yeah, it's always good to get the edge in training and yeah, to practice for the race. So yeah, they're my preferred shoes for for like sessions and stuff so with that being said can you sort of talk about how it makes you feel when you're running them because I know some people talk about like that kind of psychological feeling when they put on their race day shoes as opposed to their kind of everyday easy day run shoes yeah just because well they're lighter and I just love the feel of them they make me feel faster when I wear them really so yeah it's good to yeah like I said get used to them for race day because you don't want to just put on fast pair of shoes for race day and then not be used to the feel of them because I do think it gives you a benefit trying them out in training as well and yeah I just like the feel of them you feel fast when you wear them and that always helps in training to get the best out of yourself 
with that being said, let's move on to the goal setting segment. So yep. in setting goals, how do you get the right rhythm between running your race goal, but also being concurrently being in the moment and allowing to see what your body's telling you as opposed to say what your watch is telling you? Yeah, that's a hard one because obviously, yeah, like on the day, so many things can happen, but you obviously have a goal going into the race that you want to target like a time or a position. And then obviously your watch will tell you you're either running that time, but then if you're going to run for a position, it's trying not to pay attention to your watch. So I guess it depends what your aim is for the race. And then, yeah, just trying to stick to your goal as best as possible in in the race and seeing yeah how it plans out but also having different scenarios that you can have in your head to try and work out yeah because obviously you do have to be a bit flexible in the race sometimes things can't don't go the way that you want them to go so you have to yeah be a bit flexible as well but I think practicing and training can really help different scenarios and being flexible in your mind you know having different outcomes to reach the same result really. It's really interesting what you say about that feeling of just things not going your way. And I think as marathon runners, a lot of people can relate to that, especially in certain <laughs> long runs or over the period of time. So like, how do you kind of manage that really? Yeah, I think not setting too many expectations, obviously going into a training session or a long run or a race thing. Obviously the race, you do have to set expectations because otherwise you won't, you might not get the, the result that you want. But in training, especially kind of saying, you know, I want to run these times for these, reps or I want to do the long run in this time but then also knowing that part of it's part of a bigger picture you're you've done a lot of training sessions in the week or you um you might be tired from all the training so you do have to just kind of think sometimes oh maybe I just need to get this long run done and then if I finish in a good time then that's a bonus or but in the race obviously setting goals is really important because yeah otherwise you got to have something to aim for I find it definitely helps you on the day and in the training as well if you've got a goal to aim for in the race then it just makes the training more kind of achievable and you just feel like every day's got a purpose yeah and you spoke a bit about setting goals for the race can you talk a bit about how the listeners can implement that in their own races coming up yeah um definitely so I like to kind of work backwards from the, my main race so obviously my main race is London Marathon next week but whatever the listeners have as their main goal I like to work back from it so set the goal that you want to achieve whether it's position or whether it's yeah the time that you want to achieve or just to complete a marathon for example and then work back from it in the training and kind of work out how you can achieve those goals by doing a block of training and find people that can help you with that as well not just you don't have to do it alone you can work with people or yeah have a coach maybe or just join a training group loads of different things that can help you to go about achieving your goal I think definitely working back is a good good way to start. I really like that idea of like working way back and you know working with other people to keep you kind of accountable really so you know, setting a goal is important, but can yeah. you also talk about how the listeners can also look at how they can implement breaks into their training to avoid kind of going a little bit stale and any kind of burnout? Yeah, that's also important. For me, I find my coach is really helpful in that because he, he'll kind of look at where I need to take a break, whereas I'm a bit too enthusiastic sometimes where I go at it and I kind of don't want to have a break or I kind of think more is better, but that's not always the case. So yeah, like you said, burnout obviously can happen and you don't always know when it's going to happen. It just creeps up on you. 
So I think for me, having someone else take a look at the training that you're doing really helps because I'm not very good at doing it myself. But yeah, so basically having a plan would help as well. Like I said before, working back and setting a training plan where you can schedule in breaks and times where you're going to have down times and easier weeks in the training because that obviously is important. One of the worst things that could happen is to get injured because then you can't run at all. So yeah, I hear you. And I know you talk about, you know, taking breaks and things like that, but I guess after a marathon, it's different for everyone, but like how long do you typically take off and how much time would you advise people generally to look at? Yeah, so I usually take about two weeks. So my coach will kind of just say, you know, for the next two weeks, do whatever you want. So I I won't run for a few days, but then I do like to move around a bit and do some jogging just to kind of get my legs recovered a bit better. But even if I don't run, maybe just easy like cycling or swimming or just something, but no actual training, I would say uh, for at least two weeks. And then the third week, I'll just do like easy runs. And then the fourth week, I'll probably go back into a bit more structured training and then start back from there. But it's basically just every marathon is different. Sometime I've run a marathon and I haven't actually been able to walk for two weeks because my foot was sore, which I did something to it in the race, which I have no idea. So I guess every race is different and other times I've recovered a lot quicker. So I think listening to your body is important. But yeah, I wouldn't advise scheduling any more strenuous activities for like at least two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I agree. When you, you know, you put in the effort and it does sort of take its toll and you kind of got to really respect it and I guess it's also good to have that break to help you refocus with your own goals and just reset and come back a little bit with a little bit more fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's really important as well. Like, as well as the physical rest, like the mental rest, because like I said, the training is so intense that you're doing. So I think, yeah, taking some time off mentally as well is important just to switch off from like a structured plan. And just, yeah, like I said, my coach just kind of tells me to do whatever so if I feel like going for a run I'll go for a run but it's not like it's a set training run yeah I hear you so we've crossed the finish line and I don't think it's the end of something I think it's almost the start of something so say if you achieve your goals or you don't achieve your goals this is a a wider question what kind of advice would you give the listeners to how they can limit their kind of any post-marathon blues Yeah, that is obviously a hard one as well, because it does depend how the race goes, I find. But yeah, either way, you've worked up for this big event. And if it goes well, that's great. But you also, yeah, if it doesn't go great, then you'll still have maybe the post-marathon blues either way. So I think taking the time off definitely helps. And then after you've taken some time off to evaluate either if it went well or didn't, then setting another goal, not almost straight away, but having something else to work towards can definitely help. Yeah, whenever I've had like a disappointment in my career, as soon as I set like a new goal, I just focus in on that and forget about what has happened. Or yeah, I find something else exciting to work towards, even if it has gone well. I think it's important to yeah have something else to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, can you talk about what that looks like too? Is that kind of just like watching lots of Netflix and just chilling out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, sometimes I've gone on holiday or <laughs> yeah, other times literally just, yeah, watching Netflix and chilling out, just doing stuff that um, I don't always get to do when I'm training really hard because, yeah, obviously training really hard and then resting is important in between training sessions. So, yeah, just taking time to relax with my family or, yeah, 
just doing whatever really and not not having to worry about structured training I hear you so if we're looking at the London Marathon when I think everyone the elites and the mass participation runners took part I think you know back in 2019 and moving to October 3rd it's been about 889 days I believe so what are you most excited about you know heading back to London and, and starting from Blackheath and running the actual course again yeah, well, that was actually my last marathon as well in 2019. So it's crazy to look back and think it's been that long because for me, it feels like yesterday. But obviously so much has happened since then. So, yeah, it will be really special to be out there, one on the main course and, yeah, to have crowds again. I think it will be, yeah, it will be massive this year just because obviously it has been so long since the London Marathon has been on so yeah I'm definitely really excited just to be out there again to be doing like a mass event and a mass marathon in London as well so yeah it'll be great. Yeah I'm with you I'm excited to be back there and so I just want to sort of switch gears and talk a little bit about the race and building resilience and I know we sort of touched upon this a little bit earlier but I just kind of want to go back to it so I've spoken to people and I'm sure you have as well as a coach that you know have had a couple long runs that may not have gone the way that they wanted to what advice would you give them or anyone else who's kind of feeling those kind of effects and worrying about that as they kind of go into the, the final marathon build-up to kind of keep that healthy mindset? Yeah, I would say try to look at the bigger picture of the training as a whole. Um, so if it, you've just had like one run that hasn't gone well, try to look at the whole picture of the training that you have done and draw positives from that. Obviously, if you haven't been able to do that much training at all because of like an injury or something, then just try to take everything as a well everything as as positively as you can obviously being able to run the race is something to look forward to and yeah try to look forward to it really I kind of think like when you get to the actual race day there's no no point being nervous well obviously you could you can be nervous um, you're allowed to be but I kind of think it's more important to be excited because yeah, there's nothing more you can do. There's no more training you can do. You can't change anything. So you might as well just enjoy it and, yeah, try and get the best out of yourself on the day. It's really interesting what you talk about there we regards the mindset. And I'm just sort of thinking about sessions and the way I look at it is I tried not to label them as much as, say, like good or bad sessions. I just tried to do them and forget them almost. Yeah. Not to get too, like, carried away by it. I mean... How do you kind of look at your training and like how do you kind of keep that kind of level mindset throughout? Yeah, I think looking at the training as a whole. So, yeah, like you said, I just try not to, yeah, kind of think like, oh, this session is really important. I must do this one really well. It's more like, oh, how many weeks can I do consistently and be able to, yeah, tick off the weeks really? Because marathon training obviously is so much about like getting the weeks done rather than yeah nailing one specific session so I think yeah trying to not place too much emphasis on one session or one long run rather just try and yeah do them all and get them done and then get to the start line as in best shape that you can really. Yeah that makes sense so I kind of want to move on to kind of like the elephant in the room almost a little bit I mean you've dealt with a lot of disappointments especially with the Olympic selection can you talk a bit about how you maintain your focus over like the pandemic year and how you used it as like a setup to kind of come back and win the 2021 big half half marathon yeah um I think like I said earlier I kind of for me it's about I like to set a new goal so as soon as I obviously wasn't selected for Tokyo I was kind of thinking like what else can I get excited about and 
what can I focus on next? So for me, the London Marathon was actually a really key thing for me because it was a big goal that I had coming up, which I could really focus on. So I kind of just forgot about the Olympics, to be honest, after that, and then was all focused and all in on the London Marathon. So I think it's good to set a new goal and to go all in on something else, really, and not to dwell too much on what has happened and focus on something else. So yeah, for me, that really helps just to set a new goal. And like with the pandemic and stuff, so much was getting cancelled all the time. And that was really hard because you didn't really know what was going to happen with races and what was going to go ahead and what wasn't going to go ahead. But as soon as one race would get cancelled, I would just focus on another one and forget about the other race and yeah, try and work towards something new. So yeah, for me, it always helps to have a goal and to focus all in on that goal. I just want to go back to what you just said there. You know, obviously you're disappointed and then you move on. Obviously, it's not like a, a time goal, like five minutes, 10 minutes and you move on. Can you sort of talk about like how you work for that process? Because I'm sure other people have the same sort of thing where they say in a, in a different level where they train for a marathon and they didn't get the time they wanted and they want to go back into it. And it's just kind of refocusing. So can you talk about how you kind of sit with that disappointment and then how you kind of move forward into an action in a positive step? Yeah, obviously it's hard because if something like means so much to you and then you you don't get to do it or yeah, that's obviously really hard. But I think all the training's not wasted. So yeah, I I feel like if if you dwell on it too for too long, then you're kind of just gonna go around in circles. So for me, it's just I like to yeah focus on the new goal as soon as possible really and yeah try to move on as quickly as possible and work towards something new because yeah like I said before if if you dwell on something for too long it just kind of consumes you and you you won't achieve anything so yeah I do think that setting a new goal as soon as possible is is important to try and work towards something new and something that excites you as well that you can get excited about and that makes the training exciting and like I said earlier as well even if that helps to join a group or get a coach or a new training plan just anything that can help you to get excited about that new goal then do it obviously everyone's individual as well so everyone will have different ways to work towards something new I think it's so important to talk about being excited and no one can maintain that level of excitement throughout because I can imagine when you're (laughs) training you know you've got like certain runs that you've got hit so I don't know if you do this as well but sometimes I just try and mix things up I just go run somewhere new just do something different Yeah, 100%. That definitely helps me. And also meeting up with people to run with, that helps just make the week go quicker. Because say, for example, you meet a group on a Wednesday, then that Wednesday run will go quicker. And then it will soon be the next Wednesday where you meet another group. I also think things that help me in the build up for a marathon, especially is doing races. Because obviously, like I said before, you're focused all in on this one goal, really. And you don't get that many chances to race a marathon. Well, I don't anyway. But if you have like other races on the in the build up like half marathons or 10k's that can break training up because obviously you, you taper a bit for that race and then after the race you have a few easy days and then build back up but it's all part of the bigger picture so i think yeah breaking up the training like that can also help yeah that makes a lot of sense and i know we've spoken a little bit about kind of the mental side of the race but i think what often gets forgotten sometimes is actually the the mental work that goes in in preparing for the marathon can you talk a little bit about that and give any tips that the listeners can take aboard and implement in their own training 
yeah I think for me the training is such a huge part of the mental training for the race because when you're out there doing the training it can be such a grind sometimes that the race that is actually what the race sometimes can feel like so I think practicing in the training and when you're on those long runs especially kind of mindset is gonna feel the same on race day but obviously on race day you're going to be tapered and you're going to have the buzz of being in a race whereas in training sometimes you can be out there alone just grinding out like a two hour long run or a 20 mile long run so I think um yeah practicing those mental tactics that you will hopefully use on race day definitely helped me yeah trying to yeah get through the training sometimes it's harder actually than the race so yeah whatever mental ways you can get through the training can also help you on race day yeah that makes sense and I wanted to talk about sort of visualization and I'm also mindful that you can't say too much because obviously of the position that you're in but just looking at the idea of like how you visualize like things going well or not so well so for example when I did Boston 2018 the weather was absolutely shocking and I remember that the day before I literally got a bit of paper out and wrote down every kind of eventuality that was like the worst case scenario. <laughs> and actually it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And to be honest, I think it was allowing me to get in the moment to just deal with what was there. So yeah. can you sort of talk a little bit about just, you know, we talk about, you know, the, the great stuff of like visualizing when you're crossing a line and you're with your hands are aloft. And can you talk about like, do you visualize when things not don't go so well and how you kind of prepare for that? I actually don't tend to think too much about what can go wrong because one I don't like to think about it (laughs) and two um, I like to think everything's going to go perfectly but obviously yeah not everything's going to go perfectly all the time but for me in the training as well obviously when I go training things go wrong like yeah I can turn up late because there's traffic and then my group have to start without me or I don't know you might eat something dodgy the night before so I think in the training so many things go wrong that you kind of practice them for race day but yeah I think being flexible in your mindset in that obviously knowing that race day you might not feel amazing and things might not go the way that you planned them to but yeah you just got to kind of draw upon your experiences that you might have had in training and yeah be flexible and not think that everything's going to go perfectly on race day because yeah it very rarely does but it can also go right for you I guess just yeah like I said practicing things in training so that on the race day you can kind of hope that everything goes as best that it can go yeah I agree I think you've got to keep most of it like positive and on, <laughs> you can't be thinking dragging your like cloud around you with rain and stuff like that around you yeah so. no I don't I don't like to think like oh this could go wrong or that could go wrong but obviously you do have to be prepared but yeah I like to like practice all the things that could go wrong in the training so that on the race day that I'm kind of prepared for every scenario. Yeah that makes a lot of sense so I want to talk about coping with the distance so can you give any advice to people that are transitioning and making the jump from say a shorter distance from 10k and moving up towards a marathon? Yeah I'd say definitely do the training and set up a good training plan 10 or 8 weeks out from the marathon that will definitely help you to tackle the distance I'd also say yeah don't get too hung up on like what other people do I think everyone's so individual and everyone can have different ways of tackling the marathon different training like elite runners for example not everyone does the same training some people do less miles some people do more some people do more gym so I think yeah taking an individual approach to the training is really important but 
when you're stepping up to the distance, I think it's important to, yeah, respect that it is a long way, but also not to be scared of it and think that you have to do like a crazy amount of miles because, yeah, as long as you do a training plan and do some long runs and practice with your fueling, I think, yeah, it's it's a long way, but I also, it's, it's definitely achievable. And yeah, I think if you've done training, enough training, then yeah, anyone can do it really. One thing I want to ask you about actually in the transition from the distances is say people that run in say like 5k, 3k, whatever, and move the way up, do you find sometimes that they're so used to running in a certain way, like going all out, that it's hard for them to sometimes transition into the marathon style without blowing up? Yeah, I think also the training definitely helps with that. So doing the long runs. And obviously when you're running for such a long time in a long run, you can't run the same pace that you run for 3K for, yeah, like 20 miles. So you you would learn that doing the doing the long run. So I think as you do the training, you learn about yourself and what you can and can't do. And then I think also you do get a good, yeah, a good indication in the training of what kind of pace you should be able to run on race day as well. I think once you've done a good training block, you can kind of sit down and know what pace you ca- you can do on race day and you wouldn't really go out you wouldn't go at a 3k pace in a marathon if you hadn't done that in training for a 20 mile run for example so I think you you kind of know what what kind of shapes that you're in based on the training that you've done yeah that makes sense so I want to focus on on you in terms of like what your whys are to run can you sort of share what your current whys are to run because obviously it's people we change so it's pretty fluid so why I like to run well, I like to race. So obviously, yeah, I, I find racing is the fun part, really. All the training is just to get to the race. And then, yeah. I just... <laughs> oh, that's one of those things. And I cue elevator music. So at this point, we had a slight technical difficulty. The room shut down. But being pros that we are, we got back onto it and we restarted but this is podcasting live this is modern technology you just got to roll with the punches hi and we're back that was almost like <laughs> do you know when you sort of slip over something mid-race <laughs> can you hear me <laughs> sorry i didn't hear that i just <laughs> <laughs> no worries it's kind of like do you know that like you have that moment where you kind of slip over something mid-race or you stumble and you've got to get back yeah. up again. <laughs> Basically, our moment in during the, the conversation. But yeah. that's technology for you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, I don't know. I can't remember what I was saying before. <laughs> We're talking about our whys to run. But I was actually, I was just thinking actually along that line. I mean, have you had a situation in the race where you've like previously like stumbled or you've had to get back up and you've sort of come back and, you know, uh, uh, made up the ground? I have, but not, not when I've been doing marathons only well actually I had a bad well not bad it wasn't that bad but in a marathon in the world champs in 2017 we got given like chips to put on our shoes and yeah I got like 10k into the race and one of the chips came off the shoe and I was like oh that's fine I've got another one but then about 5k down the road the other one started coming off my shoe and I was like panicking because obviously these chips time us and I was thinking like oh no now I'm not gonna get a time and I was only about 20k into the race so yeah, one of the drink stations, I quickly like bent down, took off the chip because it was flapping around, and I gave it to one of our team managers on the on the um, drink station, and I was like, my chips come off, 
and he was like just don't worry about it and then obviously I crossed the line and I think yeah they could obviously tell what time I'd run because it was yeah the world champ so they had like cameras on us all the time but I was panicking because I was like am I going to get disqualified now because we obviously had two so that one if one went missing the other one would be there but I lost both so yeah that was kind of a bit stressful <laughs> but it just so sort of goes to show like these things happen you've got to manage that kind of that that stress really haven't you and just kind of move forward yeah well I was just hoping I wasn't going to get disqualified because I was like then all this all this running for two and a half hours is for nothing but luckily I was all good <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah I hear you I think like literally that pause in the conversation was kind of like what some people feel when they hit mile 20 <laughs> <laughs> and, and the comeback the comeback is you know it's got to be stronger so it's all good <laughs> Yeah. So I think we were talking about like what your why's to run were before we kind of got cut off. Yeah. So I think I said I was saying that I run because I like racing. Really, I just enjoy the actual race day. So all the training that I do is mainly to get to the race, and then when I race, I just really enjoy running and being doing the mass events and being competitive and yeah, getting to go around the world doing what I love to do. So yeah, I guess that's the main reason why I love to run is so I get to race and yeah travel and stuff like that the podcaster in me is so tempted to go down that that pathway of like talking about the competition side but I'm mindful of my time so I kind of <laughs> want to move on to the questions from the audience the yep. first one is from Tommy Runs and he's asked what have you learned about yourself on the road back to the London Marathon yeah that's a good question I think I've mainly learned to be a bit more flexible in my training like I said before every marathon build up so different so sometimes I've done a certain amount of mileage for example building up into a marathon but not every marathon build up is the same so I think being more flexible in the training and taking a different approach doing different sessions yeah because there's a lot of ways to get the same result so yeah for me it's being a bit more flexible (laughs) flexibility is so important so, yeah. Next question, Donato asks, your running gait is often seems quite unique. So what do you say <laughs> about changing your running gait to kind of improve running performance? Yeah, I think obviously everyone runs differently and there's not like one correct way to run. I think whatever's natural to you. Obviously, if you pick up loads of injuries because of the way that you run, then then I think it's time to change something or yeah, what's whatever's uh, getting you injured. But for me, I think try not to think about it too much. Like everyone runs differently. Everyone has a different running style. So as long as it's efficient for me, then yeah, I'm happy with the way that I run. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The way I asked that question, because I was obviously reading it, I was thinking, I don't want to come across like I'm being too critical about your running style. <laughs> no, that's fine. It clearly fine. works. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm definitely not one to judge. Craig has asked, how do you calculate whether to make a move or not in the race? And how do you stay mentally tough if you don't make that move? Yeah, I think it depends on the race. So obviously, if it's a race where I'm going for a time, then I try and stick to my race plan of the time that I want to run and the the splits that I want to run in the race. Whereas if it's more a competitive race, like a world championships or something like that, then positions obviously more important than time. So then it's more important to cover the moves. But I think going back to it, it's all about just following your own race plan and doing what you kind of plan to do in the race beforehand. Yeah, obviously every athlete's going to have a different plan going into that race, a different way to approach it. But I think if you follow your own race plan, then you can't really 
go wrong. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And it's really interesting to actually watch, you know, the elites as things play out, like the conversations and all the kind of game playing and stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> you sort of see people sometimes drafting each other or you just, and you look, there's conversations like, what are you doing? type thing get out of my way so I can run more efficiently can you talk a little bit about that as well yeah obviously um sometimes we have like pacemakers in elite races that can help but yeah other times it's more tactical so I don't think many people try to draft off me because I'm too small but <laughs> yeah like I said before following your own race plan is really important because then you kind of know what you're doing when you go into the race and you're not really swayed by what other people are doing obviously you can change your race plan in the race have different scenarios in your head what what you might do but yeah in general having a good race plan going into it and executing your what you trying to do then yeah that's the best way I think to go into a race good stuff and I don't know I was thinking of this I was thinking of like the the Michael Jordan documentary The Last Dance and like sometimes oh, I love that. that's awesome isn't it yeah and, it's so good <laughs> and I love the trash talking that they have between each other like each other <laughs> does it ever happen like during the race with other athletes I mean I've I've had a couple of occasions where someone's kept like clipping with the back of my shoe and I kind of just turn around and give them evils or something like that but I actually haven't done any trash talking in a race I think I try to conserve my energy and stuff but I have seen other people do it before in races I just try and stay out of trouble really but yeah I think uh, yeah the evil stairs served me well so far <laughs> yeah you've got to save your energy to be honest because the, the worst thing is that you say something and then you don't you just don't follow through <laughs> so. yeah or, yeah it'll be embarrassing and I think like yeah I'm just trying not I don't want to get stitched by um talking to someone so that's fair enough and the final question that we've received is from Stefan and he asked in the challenging moments of the marathon where it's starting to feel really uncomfortable can you talk about your mental approach and how you kind of remain focused and stay on pace I think, again, not having an expectation that it's going to feel easy in the race because it rarely does. Like in 2019, when I got my PB, the whole race, I felt not great. And I kind of kept thinking like, oh, I'm going to come through this bad patch and I'll feel great in a minute. But it never really happened for me in that race. So I think, yeah, not having an expectation that you're going to feel amazing just because it's a race. Because, yeah, it's, it is going to feel hard because you're pushing your body to to the limit really so I think just focusing on yeah the next drink station or the next kilometer or the next mile just whichever way you can get through it and yeah trying to enjoy it <laughs> I guess as well <laughs> always helps me so I guess it's really just sort of really refocusing down to the moment like kind of the each step type thing really taking it down to the bare essentials yeah definitely I think yeah basically just focusing on trying to get to the end as quickly as possible <laughs> is the main aim of the of the race <laughs> so does food ever come into play do you ever think about a meal at the end or no every time I've thought about food when I'm running I just feel sick even yeah I don't know why I think it's yeah the gels and stuff and the drinks that you take on board when I get to the end I just feel terrible and yeah I feel sick so I think the best the best thing for me is just focusing on yeah the next k or the next mile and then yeah just trying to get there as quickly as possible yeah, definitely. I think <laughs> we've kind of got to the point where, you know, I think it's really interesting to sort of hear like your sort of mindset. And I think it's a really nice way to kind of conclude this session for the roundtable conversation. So, Charlotte, thank you for sharing your experience and I wish you a super great result on the 3rd of October, the London Marathon. 
thanks very much. Yeah, thanks for thanks for the chat. No worries. And thanks to Eddie Zero for hosting this conversation. And there will be another further two conversations giving you more value as you prepare for your marathon. So thanks to everyone for joining today and uh, have a great week. Thanks, guys. Hi, Hugh. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. It's good to speak with you. I know you were one of my earlier guests in the podcast a little while back, so it's good to have you back on and speak to you about this year's London Marathon. Yeah, it's exciting. It's uh, less than seven weeks away. I'm looking forward to being there. And I know with the conversation I had before with you and with other press work that you've done, you've been asked a lot of the same questions in terms of what's happening for the 2020 marathon, what's happening for the 2021 marathon. But if you were interviewing yourself, what would you want people to know from a race director's point of view? It's on. (laughs) It's as simple as that, I think. Um, Look, there's so much uncertainty uh, that there's been in in the world. Uh, Countries are dealing differently with COVID-19 and the ramifications of it. It's been an unbelievably difficult time for uh, the world, for individuals to cope with both physically, mentally, to have moments of hope, moments of despair. And we really hope and believe that the 3rd of October will be a huge moment of hope and uh, showing what the London Marathon has been all about, which is that humankind can work together, can be united, and that that unity will show itself in a way that will actually resonate around the world for so many people. And that is what we're really looking forward to celebrating on the uh, 3rd of October. And what are you kind of most looking forward to, especially on race day? Oh, that's a hard question because I think it is just the, the the race day is the end of so many people's work for that year, but also the start of so many people's work for the year after, which sounds very odd, uh, but we're always looking to, to learn and improve. And I think that there are lots of different things that we're bringing in for the first time for 2021 that could have some interesting, helpful ramifications for, for future years. I think it, it really is just... Uh, that feeling of of some normality that it will be on on race day. I believe it will be eight hundred and eighty nine days since we held a last in person London marathon together on the streets of London. So it's an incredible time. There has never been a time in the last forty years to have had that gap, and so. Being able to to celebrate this togetherness is is I believe going to be incredibly moving for not only everyone taking part but from everybody watching uh, through the BBC and our broadcast partner. It's extraordinary that that length of time you described. That I didn't realise it was that that many days, and I think you're right. I think it will be for people watching and for people taking part, uh, incredibly moving. I think marathons normally are incredibly moving events. And you talked then about how 
how race day is the kind of culmination of a lot of people's work with with you and with your team and i'm really interested in that timeline and i was wondering if you could walk us through what the timeline is from from in a traditional marathon year when the last runner crosses the line to the gun going off the following year what what does that process look like over the course of that year i mean again there are there are things that we're doing now that are planning for 22 23 24 and 25 so i mean people would be surprised how far ahead we are we are looking at things i think on on race day it is incredible that you know i'll see various members of the team i'll go into a a cabin somewhere and that they will be debriefing what is going on at that moment and going okay well if we did this next year maybe that would have a positive effect on the year after so it is incredible about how the team is so committed to to improving and, and changing things. But this year on its own will have the biggest individual changes to ensure that the event can go ahead. And that's something that, you know, we've we've been planning for for so long, changing those plans, we're developing them and to a certain extent, I think some people might go, well, why did they do that? They didn't need to, which is fine as far as we're concerned, because it is all about ensuring that the event will go ahead. And that's where I said at the start of this, what's the one thing I want to say to people? It's on. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be emotional. That's, um, I think, having watched the Olympics, Tokyo, and the emotion that every single athlete showed after their event the fact that their event had been allowed to happen the fact that it had gone ahead what it had meant to them in their training in the journey that they had been on that is what i think will be incredible this will be the people's olympics it will be their moment of celebration and that's what i'm hoping for and you noted the point about this being the People's Olympics. And that's what sort of really stuck in my mind when listening to the interviews with the, the winner, Elliot, and he was asked, you know, how do you get on? And he basically focused on what he normally does. He doesn't focus on him, he focuses on the team and what it means for humanity and sort of really thanking the organisers and sort of saying that this shows people that we are back. And that kind of emphasises what you've sort of said and just kind of, put that to one side just thinking about the olympics and the marathon i know you touched upon some of it there but what were your other key reflections on watching that event watching the olympics i mean just when you talk about elliot i mean what an imperious and that's the word i've used imperious performance i mean it was incredible i don't think people realize to win the olympic marathon by that amount that by that amount the amount of preparation that had that that he had put in um you know leaving no stone unturned he's been seen to you know he is the greatest marathon runner of all time um and i think the pressure that he felt from london 2020 where that was the first time he hadn't been in the first two um, he'd won 12 of the previous 13 marathons that he'd been in been in he'd quite incredibly broken two hours for the, for the marathon and the heat and humidity that he and Paris Chip Churcher and Bridget Koskai uh, and the other athletes went through 
is it's huge it it is heat and humidity has the biggest effect on our performance and how as as humans and how we deal with it how we train ourselves to deal with it and what he did really um was was incredible and as as a human being he is incredible in the way he thinks in such a considered manner in you know he's just beaten the world's best marathon runners by over a minute and as you say as he crossed the finish line smiling congratulating the second third and fourth place finishers and to be composed to understand how this is important and is a moment of celebration that is more than just running a marathon i think is 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 quite incredible and that's we we hope we reflect exactly how he did in the work that the team is doing now and how we've been helped by so many stakeholders by london by the boroughs by the royal parks in moving our event in allowing the event to happen in 2020 around St James's Park in 37,966 people joining us in the in in the virtual event and doing it in their communities their way and still raising huge amounts of money for charity it is humbling to to bit to 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 think about that and and just to think how the world has had to adapt and how each individual person has had to adapt to the circumstances that we have found ourselves in that have been so unimaginable. Yeah, and it's a great advertisement for returning to wider events and for the reasons you just mentioned. And there's a couple of things when I watch that race and I don't know, it probably doesn't frustrate me, but it always makes me laugh when people say, like, look at him running. He towards the end he looks like he's it's easy for him. But you can tell in his face it's still equally as difficult but he can he just has that uh manner where he can sort of do what he needs to do to get it done and i just think that's a really amazing but also listening to uh, an interview that he did with Knox robinson he was talking about how he prepared and he basically said we believe in great preparation which is then translated into success and that kind of reminds me a little bit of what yourself and your team do in terms of it's really about the preparation of the event as opposed to just thinking about the end result you're right. It's about leaving no stone unturned. Um, and that is a conversation that's that's gone on with the team in, in the last six months in terms of, well, you know, some people asking, well, why are we doing this or why are we doing that bit? Surely that doesn't make a difference. And, you know, when, when you think whatever result you get, that is the result, right? That's happened. But what you can do, you can't control how other people are performing, but what you can do is make certain that on the way to that result, you looked under every stone, you appreciated what that stone might have under it, and you ensured that you were able to deal with whatever it was going to throw at you or hide. And you... Therefore, when the result came, you could look back and go, I gave my all to ensure that the event happened or that I was prepared as, the well, as, as well as I could be. And I think it is that that the team has been very focused on 
um, whether we've worked with the government on the events research program that um, took place um, and, and we put an event on in, in Kempton Park uh, back in May or the event in Hatfield that we've done in July, the first closed road event back in London with the Standard Charter Great City Race in the end of July um, or the Vitality Big Half that is happening in, in the next week. These are all events um, that are, are helping us um, deliver the London Marathon, the Virgin Money London Marathon on the 3rd of October this year. It's interesting you talking about no stone being left unturned. I, I watched in, in preparation for this interview last night the documentary all about the Ineos 159 challenge, and that definitely feels like a, a through line running through that whole event of, of no stone being left unturned. But one thing I was interested in is that the documentary is sort of surtitled as The Last Milestone, and I was wondering if you think that it is or do you think there is more for the future of running? Do you think there are more barriers that can be broken as we sort of progress and evolve through the sport? Oh, without doubt, there are um, more more barriers. Um, and, you know, human performance and, you know, we're still learning about what the human body is capable of doing. Um, and I think Elliot was incredible in, you know, no human is limited and that you are really only limited by your mind and the amount that we actually use our mind our brain is 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 a tiny percentage of it um so i think there are so many potential barriers that 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 will be conquered in the future um you know you can put up time you can put up the first woman to run under two hours ten minutes for a marathon will it happen yeah It'll happen. No, I think what Bridget Koskai did in 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 running two fourteen the day after Elliot broke broke one fifty nine and smashing Paula Radcliffe's record by over a minute again was just a quite incredible performance. Uh, so, you know, as a species, we still are developing, um, and. There have been barriers through sport that people have said wouldn't wouldn't be broken. It was meant to be physiologically impossible for human to run under four minutes for a mile. That was what it was said for nine years. Humans had tried to do it before Sir Roger Bannister did it at Ifley Road. And, you know, when you talk about what Elliot did in, in to, to go under two hours, I mean, I, I believed I would see it in my lifetime, but I thought I would be in my 70s um, by the time I saw it. And... You know, when you look at um, that that whole philosophy about no, no stone being left unturned, the the um, you know the pacemakers and the formation that that they went in was absolutely revolutionary. No one had looked, no one had done that previously. And um, it is when you bring in other sports, you bring in um, people looking from outside, you bring in different thought processes that you often make these leaps forward. And that's without a doubt what happened. And it's a, it's a great documentary. And But what Elliot went through in his mind and his, his belief, his belief that he could do that, it just shows what a special human being um, he is. Um, but yeah, definitely there are other barriers that will get broken in, in, in the future. And it's amazing when it happens because it does translate into 
human spirit and encourages people in other ways when that happens. And one of the values of the London Marathon events is togetherness. And this was reflected in last year's race with the virtual race, but also the elite race. And this year, combining the virtual and the, the main event together. Can you kind of share what you'd like to see future London marathons look like and just based on what this year could look like? Yeah, look, I think the inclusivity of the two events together is incredible. I think it is to 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 say to people that you're running the London Marathon, you're going to be supported by your community. You're doing it in a way that is appropriate for you. Um, is something that I don't, I know I couldn't have imagined prior to, to 2020. And I really hope that Britain and the world encourages those runners that are doing it in this way and that we really do get this feeling of running together. Marathon runners are a community. Um, if you go to the history of the London Marathon, and my father and John Disley going to New York in, in 1979 to, to take part in the New York City Marathon, and then 20,000 people on the streets of New York then the gun-crying capital city of the world. But people were coming together to celebrate the, the madness, as my father called it, of running 26.2 miles, something that is not easy to do. But to have that celebration, to have the fact that people want you to be successful, it is the most life-affirming and incredible thing to, to do. And I think that... Uh, each year in every marathon, it's these human stories that bring the marathon to life. Yes, it is incredible to watch the elite athletes, but it's the everyday athlete. It's that human story of why someone has taken that challenge of to push their body to run, to walk that 26.2 miles. That is what connects us to the people on that journey. And the more that we can amplify that connection, the more that we show how sport unites people, the more that we show how uh, we can actually control a lot of our worries, our mental worries, sport and activity can help you to compartmentalize that, to give you some control over your life. And now more than ever, that is so, so important. I agree. And I'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast, but last year when I ran the Dorney Lake Marathon and did the virtual marathon the same day, the atmosphere between the marathon runners was incredible. Then once I finished the race, I actually went outside, drove to my hotel, and I saw this gentleman in the pouring rain with virtual London Marathon bib number out there running and you just don't get that connection in a natural race. It was just amazing to see him. And that's what we talk about with human spirit. So I think that's something that's almost transcendent from just the main event that are taking place. And something that I've noticed as well on just some of the platforms I've spoken to people about training, that some people are struggling with their training and their motivation. You know, it's been a tough few years recently. So what would you advise to those runners that are looking to run London this year or 
any other majors but are struggling with their motivation to to kind of get out there i think i think the words would be stay with it um don't miss it it's going to be unbelievable it it will be something i believe that people will remember for the rest of their lives in a positive way so it would be stay with it slow down when you get to the day take the pressure away from yourself and just absorb the atmosphere absorb the feeling and the connection that you will have with your fellow human beings the spectators the memories and the reason that you're really doing it i think it will be something each runner will never forget you're talking then about about the the sort of collective human experience and and earlier talking about the the human stories and that collective bank of all those humans that have run the marathon over its 40 plus years uh, and you've been sort of intrinsically connected to the race since its inception in in 1981 like but over the, the the history of the race has there been one story of, of a runner that you've spoken to that you've seen that you've interacted with throughout that that 40 year history that's stayed with you that's always at the forefront of your mind out of all of the people who've taken on the marathon I just think every year you get the most incredible sort of tales of human endeavor. I think Michael Watson in 2003, the same year that Paula Radcliffe was running her world record, what he did in taking, I think it was seven days to complete the event and you know, I've spoken to him numerous times since and how he is as an ambassador of human spirit, of the power of, of, of sport, the power of self-belief, of believing in yourself, whatever your circumstances is is quite incredible, but every year there are, you know, in, incredible people that, that make a difference to, to people in Britain, to people across, across the world. And, and, you know, you can't, you can never, you never know what it's going to be. You know, Aaron Plummer, who took part in, in 2020 was quite incredible as an ambassador and again it 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 is just so difficult to to put your finger on 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 one and i just you know as you over a million people have have finished the london marathon and they've all done it for their own reason and i think it is the inspiration that each person has given to somebody else there's some research going on at the moment that for every person that is taking part they potentially are reaching and inspiring 200 other people. Um, and that's an incredible thing to think about and not something I think that they realize that the journey that they're on, 
what it's doing to their friends, their family, the other people that are fundraising, um, giving them money to complete that event um, and what a difference it makes to people's lives. That's why I go back to what should they do? However hard it's been over the last 18 months, stay with it. Seven weeks away, take the pressure away, just enjoy it um, and take in the atmosphere. It's interesting you touch on the the sort of sociological kind of studies that are going on with the the ripple effects of of the of the runners and the people they inspire. Because obviously, obviously, we talk about the the training and the and the distance. But is that something else that that you and the organisation do? Do you look at the kind of the social impact of of the event and its and its legacy as well? That, that's exactly what we do. That is what we not only do but we focus on enormously. To, to our purpose, um, our vision as an, as an organization is inspiring activity in all, in all ages, in all abilities, in all disabilities, in all communities, and how we have a duty to do that. And sport unites. Sport has the power for good. And, you know, I, that, that, that was, was how I was brought up. By, by, by my parents in terms of there are going to be people that are better than you. There are going to be people that are going to beat you. Um, you can't control that. But what you can do is control how well prepared you are. You can control your mind. You can control uh, the, um, the conditions that you're running in. You might not be able to control the weather, but you can make sure that you're wearing the right clothing um, great Norwegian phrase. There's no such thing as bad weather. There's just bad clothing. Um, so be prepared. And that's what sport can really teach you. Have the right nutrition, have the right breakfast, having, have, it, have it practiced four weeks beforehand, have practiced your sports drink beforehand. So you know that it's going to benefit you when you do take it. All these things are, are things that, that we can do that will change the outcome. And, and that's why sport is so incredible because actually if you take those learnings from sport and you put them in your life, it can, I believe, make people's lives easier. I completely agree. And just going back to something you said before, I just want to sort of highlight it when you talked about Michael Watson. I remember as a young kid watching the fight of Chris Eubank with my grandfather. I was a little bit too young to be watching boxing. And then what transpired afterwards and to see him come back I think for me that was one of the big inspirations for attempting the London Marathon you think well if he can do it then what's my excuse um, not excuse but what's my reason to not try to do something that's going to push me outside of my comfort zone you're, you're right and, and and Michael Watson as you say was a uh, you know it, it's such a uh, an enormous story and um, his life has been quite incredible. Absolutely. And there's one more thing I want to touch upon with the races as well. I remember a little while back, the races used to have like half marathon events at Silverstone. And as time has gone on, there's been more events in London and in the, in the South areas. So like the big half, for example. And it seems like the yourselves and the, the, your team are looking to increase the different sort of uh, ranges of the events that people could take place in and and just the locations where they can to make it a little bit more accessible so 
in terms of like the plans of moving forward, what does the idea of kind of like diversity look like in terms of for the London Marathon? And I'm not just talking about diversity in terms of colour, gender, but just diversity of people, because I feel like we are custodians of the sport, but we still need to transfer it to other people to, for, for them to make it feel like it's their own. So they have different things about them that they can bring to the sport and make it their own. Yeah, look, I think that's a really good point. And, and what can London Marathon events do that is very different to what it's done in the past? And I think that's be an ally for other events, an ally for events that are in communities to help those events rather than coming into, um, uh, that is my daughter at the um, front door. Just going to um, quickly open it. Apologies. That's fine. So this is the part of podcast, isn't it, Danny? Um, exactly. This is this is the podcast in life. This, this is what yeah, happens. and I'm I'm back and and uh, yep, yeah, I've got a few girls coming in the background. So I think that that what we're we're looking to do is is to really try and help, as I say, events that that already exist amplify their impact. Uh, rather than us bringing in a, a new event to a community, why can't we amplify an event that a community has? And we've just done that with something called the Black Unity Bike Ride. Members of our team helped the Black Unity Bike Ride for their event that, that has been going on some time, but they really want to make it bigger and, and better. And, 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 and uh, it's their event. It's not our event. But what we can do is help through our resources, help through our, uh, our contacts to, to do that. And I think that that is a really important change in the way that the organization is going to operate in, in the future. Rather than, as I say, you put events into a community you go to a community and go, how can we help you with whatever events you want to put on? I think that's integral to not just sport, but just like community and for the reasons that you've mentioned. And I just want to sort of park that to one side and just think of something to the left. So London Marathon, you're going to be partnering with TCS in future events. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about running the New York City Marathon in 2019 was when you went into Central Park, I'm not quite sure how the technology worked, but there was a section where it recognized your bib number. And then as you approached the screen, it gave you messages from back home or people that want to support you. Are you able to kind of share any of those kind of things that may be present in future London Marathon events or things that are on the horizon uh, using technology and connecting people? Oh, well, I think it's already been announced that TCS, Tata Consultancy Services, are our new partner from 2022 onwards. Um, and there are a lot of different things that we're working with them on um, to, to, to look to the future. And, um, you know, I think I've, I've, I've mentioned in various other podcasts that, you know, I can absolutely see a situation, whether it's two years down the line, three years down the line, where you are running and the person you're running against is, is on a pair of glasses and they're running at the corner of your glasses and you can be talking to them or trying to chase them. So th this whole sort of virtual reality piece becomes even more immersive than it is at the moment. 
Um, you know, what we've been doing is there's been conversations, you know, Paula Radcliffe, Steve Cram, a new voice this year for 2021 uh, will be on, on, on the app for people um, doing the virtual London Marathon. But we can really see how that can become even more immersive in the future. So I think that some of the platforms and the way that technology is, is going is, is only going to um, increase our ability to inspire more people around the world. And again, I really look forward to, to that happening. It sounds so exciting. I love the idea of a, a sort of head-up display and some glasses whilst you're taking part in, in the marathon. I think the, the future sounds really, really exciting. And like you say, is going to inspire more and more people to, to take part and take up sport. Um, and that feels like a really lovely note to uh, to end our conversation on. So Hugh, just wanted to say thank you so much for, for taking the time to speak to both myself and Marcus today on the podcast. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you on the uh, 3rd of October. And likewise, see you there. Mate, when we had that little intermission there uh, with the, the door knock, obviously that's part of life. I kept thinking of that song by Paul McCartney, Joe, when he goes, Someone's knocking at the door. <laughs> <laughs> Why why didn't you queue up that that video? Is there a way to sort of queue up the video on YouTube and, and play it play it to Hugh? Just I feel like he would have feel like he would have appreciated that. Like me and Marcus have got this great little joke. Whenever we've been like planning episodes, Marcus or myself have always had like packages delivered and we had this great little private joke about singing that Paul McCartney song, but I feel like he. I feel like he probably wouldn't have gone for it. Like I feel like he's. He, well, he's clearly a very busy man with what? What six six weeks to go? So I imagine right now this is this is probably crunch time for for him and, and his team getting ready for for the marathon, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you've got like um, someone of that caliber, you want to make sure that you you know do the best <laughs> that you can in the interview. You've got to yeah. judge the joke sometimes. You're like, yeah. well, is this joke going to land? <laughs> if it, if, I mean, it's, it's two ways it could go. It could go well, it could go badly. Yeah. It's like, it could be like, you know, I don't like Paul McCartney. I, I like John. <laughs> I was always more of a Rolling Stones man myself, actually. I never never really liked the Beatles or Paul McCartney. Yeah, imagine, imagine. Uh-huh. And so that would funny. have been the end of the interview, Twitter. <laughs> no, it was so interesting, though, like just getting... I, the, that first sort of statistic he he sort of um, he rolled out with the eight hundred and was eight hundred ninety odd days since the last in person marathon. Yeah. Um, I just it's it's kind of staggering really, and it just shows you as well how much time has been since since the event took place. And I think he touched on it. I think for the people taking part and for the people watching it at home or around the world, I think it's going to be, it's going to be emotional because there's, there's just something about London. I know other events have been happening. You know, there's the big half probably would have happened by the time this has gone out and the, the A6 10K and, and mass participation events have started to happen, but there's, there's just something so unique and um, one of a kind about London. That I think when it does happen i think it will be it will be quite an, an emotionally charged thing i mean will you being part of that race will you will you be able to sort of experience that do you think or will you be really like time splits sort of head down time to focus or will you allow sort of part of that sort of emotion to to be something you experience on the day 
I like the way you to think of me as some sort of Terminator type thing. I just go there and seek and destroy and then Robo Marcus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They give me the medal and just like throw it in my pocket and just walk off. You just eat I'll it. be back next you just, year. Yeah. You just swallow the medal. <laughs> London completed. <laughs> yeah, refueled until the next year. But no, I think like we've all, we all miss like this divide of running with other people having that you know someone to push you along someone to even have that little bit of banter with uh, to push you forward and just the support the crowds like that's the thing about the london marathon from the first time i ran it and each time i run it just the crowd support has been phenomenal throughout so Mm. for me it's just about the whole atmosphere it's just a it's a big celebration really i mean the marathon training as you know man it's tough you like you do your your easy runs you do your solo run and then you look around it's just you you know by yourself just repeatedly so when you're out there it's just you don't let it get to your head obviously you know you're gonna you want to enjoy it and you want to do what you came to do but i think it's a bit of both isn't it Mm. and it's like it's it's having that right balance of absorbing it and it's funny you, you talk about the crowds being there on the day and not when you're training we talked about it a little bit when we were talking to Hugh about this this Kipchoge documentary and one thing that they highlighted of like the reasons why he wasn't successful when he did it in Monza, they talked about carbohydrates, they talked about the temperature, but they were also like the crowds. They didn't have any crowds in Monza. Like they weren't there and like he he feeds off them. And I'm not I'm not drawing a comparison to to myself and uh, Kipchoge, but like, sound I like think... it. It sounded like you did it. <laughs> I uh, yeah that year big time big time yeah 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 see you see you in Paris see you there <laughs> it's happening three years from now peace um, of God like <laughs> to the moon <laughs> to the moon baby um but it, I I just think yeah it, it it will be extraordinary it's funny like we um. A few, I'm doing the big half. Uh, well, I would have done the big half by this guy's. I can't, it's like future daddy and past daddy. Who am I talking to? But we did a recce of the, the course route the other day, me and a couple of friends. Um, and it was, you know, the roads were still open, the traffic was there. And it's just that, that level of excitement, I think, about taking up that space for that one day that is normally, you know, beholden to traffic and the sort of thrum of everyday life to be occupying, occupying that space as a runner with a crowd for, for that one day, for those two hours, those three hours or those sub two hours for me, um, I think is, is just a, is a thrilling, a thrilling prospect. And just hearing you talk about, talk about that. And also the fact that they, they're planning so far in advance when he was saying about that, they're already thinking about 2022 and 2023 and that they're, they're evaluating it as the event is happening. I had no idea they were thinking that far forward. Yeah. But then I guess, I don't know. It's a, it's, it feels like a different level. Like even when we spoke to Dave uh, from, it makes it sound like I'm on a first name basis. Don't I say <laughs> Dave, Dave McGillray? Yeah. yeah, from hey, uh, the Boston Marathon. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. So I mean, like speaking to him, same sort of thing as Hugh. Just like these guys are so switched on, and mm. that's why they are doing what they're doing. But they are obviously so they recognise the fact that it's not just them; it's the team. But mm. you know, it, it just goes to show, like, like they care about the sport. They care about the the link between humanity and sport, and I think that really comes across in the speaking to to them. And I know we're speaking about here in this particular conversation, but I just want to link it back to today mm. as well. So, 
Yeah, oh God, both of them so smart and so, so switched on, like just so eloquent and sort of like enthused about what they do, I think. And that obviously bleeds down into their team and then into the event itself. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, f- I feel like it, it, it trickles down from from the top, that that passion that they, um, that they have. And like just hearing, I, I feel like Hugh gets quite, the impression I got as well is that Hugh gets quite excited about the sort of technological, advances that, that are happening and the, the legacy of the the sort of impromptu virtual event that was last year due to the pandemic and and what that's going to do to the event down the line as well like him talking about you know having some sort of like glasses with like a head-up display with stats or, or or whatever it is I think like that really really gets me excited I think like as a lover of of tech and you know the, the, the smart watches and stuff like that I'm sure there will be purists who who might sort of thumb their nose at something like that but I think hearing him talk about that I think was was really really exciting. So it'd be it'd be great to see what what you know what London might look like in in twenty thirty. Maybe we'll just like I don't know we'll be on like hover bikes or something. No no no, that's that's just ridiculous. But like I just think that the the sort of future of the event and what it might evolve to to incorporate technology, I think is um, is also really exciting. You'll think of like robotic legs, aren't you? Just to <laughs> yeah. do the running for you. To... <laughs> so it turns out you don't have to train for the marathon anymore. You just put on these robo legs, and yeah, I, I did it in no. twenty-five minutes. It was it was great. Yeah, yeah. But I love that that sort of aspect of just being like interactive and communicating. Mm. And I know we had a lot of a joke offline as well about like how that could be used. I mean, like I can imagine like obviously in training, like would be like quite encouraging, but during the race, it'd be like a lot of trash talking trying to throw each other off and it's like would you want your mum to listen to that or anyone else <laughs> to listen to the stuff you're saying so imagine. But, but also the flip side of that imagine you know you're, you're wearing these special glasses or whatever the technology chooses to be and you're in the hurt locker it's mile 23 and then all of a sudden a video message beams into your glasses of your family or your loved ones like giving you direct eye contact and that personal message of like you know, you can do this or whatever. That would be that would be like your own version of the Robo Legs. That would be your sort of booster, your boost track before the race. That would just be be incredible, as well as the sort of trash talk or I'm going to get you or like I'm I'm, I'm closing in on your tail. Like that would be that'd be awesome. Imagine see, seeing splits of like you could select a runner that you were racing and you could see like splits and be like, okay, you're, you're closing the gap. It'd be like Formula One or something. You're you know you're ten seconds ahead. You're you're five seconds ahead. I think I think that would also be a really cool thing. Um, make it happen, Hugh. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> Absolutely. I think all these things definitely add to the sport that we love. I think it was a great conversation and I uh, hope everyone else enjoyed it as much as Danny and I did. Yeah, no, it really was. I'm really grateful to Hugh for, for taking the time to talk to us. And uh, yeah, I hope you have enjoyed these conversations we're having with the with the various race directors of the Marathon Majors and there will be more to come. So thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Runner's Life. If you found value in this episode and you want to support the show, please share with your community post on your social media channels and encourage them to listen and subscribe if you want to support my work directly you can become a member on patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash a runner's life if you want to get updates on the podcast or you want to see what i'm up to you can follow me on instagram at a runner's life underscore podcast and at the marathon marcus your time is valuable 
So thank you for spending your time listening to this episode of a Runner's Life podcast. 